Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Come on, it's good to see you guys this morning. Those uh, leaders who are in the room, just thank you for coming back this Sunday to help us get ready for next week. Otherwise, for the rest of you who are watching this at home, we're going to see you next week. And we're really excited about that, to open the doors of the church again. Once again, let's just do a good look around you, wave at people. I, I, we normally do high fives in this church, but you, leaders, you can guys give each other Bluetooth high fives, okay? Just... <laughs> There we go. Okay. So, you know, next week we, we're opening the doors and, um, and we're really excited about the doors of the church opening again. I, I really think um, as much as COVID caught us all by surprise, it really didn't catch God by surprise. And I really believe he allowed it to, to happen. And, uh, and, and because he wanted the church to... To, to get out of the building for a while. There was, there was definitely a prophetic sense on what was happening at the time. That, that God wanted the church to out of the building, to go pray, to seek Him, to redevelop values, family values, marriage values, prayer values, intimacy with the Lord first values, all of those amazing things that He did in our life during COVID. And, and, um, and now with the church doors opening, I really have a sense of a new chapter. Uh, in front of us as the church, uh, and I mean the church globally, the church in the city, the church in our nation. I really feel there's another chapter for us, and uh, and and as I said, you know, during COVID, we shouldn't waste a good crisis. Um, and, and I feel for us as a church, we didn't. We prayed, man. And we prayed for revival. And we sowed seeds. And, and we did good deeds during this time. And, and we fed the poor during this time. And, and we gathered still online. And, and I really feel like we maxed it and we did it well. But now there's another chapter for us, you know, as the doors open. And so next week, I'm going to put the Believe series on hold uh, for next week. And what I want us, I want to talk about what is church next week. Just... Push pause on believe and I want us to talk about what is church and what is in front of us as Every Nation Durban for the city. And I feel like it's going to be a good time just to re-examine like what is this thing called church and, and like why do we do this thing and why is it important that we gather and why is it important that the brethren come together and sing and all these things. So, so we're going to do that next week. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll see you there. Amen. So let's carry on with believe. Yeah. Come on. Uh, so far in this series, we have established what? That faith is a fundamental, non-negotiable key to walking in the provision of God, the healing of God, your destiny, um, God's purpose in the, in the city, to God's blessing, to deliverance, to whatever it is that Jesus purchased, faith is a fundamental non-negotiable key. There's only one road in front of us, it's the faith road. There's only one path in front of us, it's this thing called faith. And so we've got to learn about faith. We've got to grow in our faith. We've got to, we, you know that in scripture's great, it tells us that we can grow in faith. It can, it says that we can, we can, we can get stronger in faith and we can have great faith and we can even have mountain moving faith. And so that's what we're going after in the series. We're called not only to believe in Jesus, but we are called to 
believe like Jesus as well. Believing in Jesus means that you end, you get saved. But when we believe like Jesus, we see the power of God in our lives. We see destiny unfold. We see the lame getting healed, the blind eyes opening. We see God's supernatural provision come to our lives when we believe like Jesus. And Jesus constantly, I mean, this was his, maybe it was his number one, maybe the kingdom of God and faith were like the number one messages that he carried. He was always calling his disciples up to faith and saying guys believe believe because as soon as because that is the key that's the fundamental non-negotiable key in the kingdom so last week we and the week before we've been speaking about the working the grace and faith system i want to just pick up on that this morning and uh, we're going to go to john chapter 6 and verse 5 we're going to look at that and we're going to pick up where we left off last week But let's just pray our prayer before we get into the Word. Let's just have a moment because we're opening the Word of God. (laughs) And the Word of God is powerful, man. You know, just one one scripture here, just one verse can change everything in our lives. So, So let's give it our attention, let's give it our focus, and let's pray. Let's say, Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe your plans for me are good. And everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. All right, if you've got a Bible, let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Mm, thank you, Lord. This is so good. Verse 5. It's a story we know too well. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Everywhere he went, people just looking for Jesus. Eh? Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. For he already knew what he was going to do. Can you say he was testing Philip? Yes, I can hear people talk back. <laughs> he was, what was he doing? He was testing Philip. Let's just pause there for a moment. Guys, I want you to know that your faith will be tested. Jesus will look for opportunities to test your faith. He wants to test your faith. He wants to see that you have faith. And so he will create moments like these, like he created for Philip, with crazy ideas of like, where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? And he's going to test and say, what's your response? What are you going to say? It's an impossible situation in front of you. You're looking at your kids. You're looking at your finances. You're looking at your job. You're looking at your position, your career, your future. It's impossible in front of you. What are you going to do? What is going to come out of you in the moment of impossibility? He's looking for faith. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Translate that into other language. And with faith, it's, it's possible to immensely please God. <laughs> Let's carry on reading. So, so Philip is under test moment right here. Maybe some of you are in a test right now. Maybe you're in a faith test. Maybe there's something in front of you that's a little bit tough. What are you going to do? 
Philip replied and said, Even if we worked for months, sowing and reaping system, even if we went to the sowing and reaping system and we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And I can imagine that those words of those faithless words just kind of hung and created a mood amongst all the disciples of like, yo, that's true. It's so impossible. Even if we worked for months. And so there's this horrible, awkward silence. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Almost sounds like a little bit of hope. But then he goes, but what good is that with this huge crowd? <laughs> he almost had it. He almost, Andrew almost had it right there. We've got a boy with five barley loaves and two fish. Something can happen here. But... He was again just thinking about those words that Philip said about the sowing and reaping system and he went back to that, you know, but what good is that? What, what good is this little that I've got in this situation? You know, I really like Jesus and one of the reasons why I like him is because food was really part of ministry for him. <laughs> you know, at the, at, at the wedding in Cana, he, uh, he, he turned water into, into the finest wine ever. Okay, and uh, and then when you know after he had resurrected, he was on the beach looking for his disciples. And what was he doing? He's, he was doing a little bry on the beach. He was like brying some fish and some coals over there, just cooking up breakfast for them. You know, and, and here here's this big crowd. And and what's his first thought? Let's eat. <laughs> let's have a meal you know let's he's looking at this massive crowd coming of you know it says 5,000 in some versions but that's just counting the men not, not women and children so it could be 15 to 20,000 people and 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 what's his first thought is like let's eat let's have lunch let's let's sit down let's chow let's share a good meal together um you know i really i really think church needs to be around food as well yeah amen I hope you're practicing this discipline in your connect groups, guys, that, you know, food is there, okay? It's very biblical, okay? But I have a question for you, all right? What, did Jesus have to feed these people? Did he, did he, I mean, were people expecting food in that moment? I mean, all these thousands of people coming out to the hills and out in the middle of nowhere, was anybody there thinking, I'm going out there to get some lunch? You know, while we're out in the fields, um, I'm just going to grab a Steers burger and uh, maybe just a, a, a few hot chips or something, like some samosas while I'm there so I can sit with Jesus. No, everybody knew when you leave the city, you left the city. You left the town, you left food behind. You were, they were there to see Jesus, to see the miracles, to hear Him preach. They wanted to be part of the ministry. They weren't thinking about food. They weren't expecting food at all. They, I mean, this wasn't like a moment where they were thinking, oh, I wish we could have some food. And if you look at the Bible, what you find, or what I found at least, was this, that, that this really wasn't in the Messiah code of conduct to feed thousands of people. Do you know what I mean when I say the Messiah code of conduct? 
Like if you go look at the Old Testament, you can see the job description of Jesus, his code of conduct. So when you look at the Old Testament, you see his job was what? To, to preach good news to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from, the cap, from captivity, to proclaim liberty to the captives, you know, to bring justice on the earth. Those were, that was his, like, his job description. Nowhere, I haven't found it, maybe you can find it and help me, alright, but I didn't find in the Old Testament that when a crowd gathers, you must feed them fish and chips as well. It's, it's just, it's not there. So Jesus is like, he's off scripture. He, at, at, nobody is expecting food. What, it's not, when you think of thousands of people, do you ever think of trying to feed them? So the question I have is then, why did Jesus want to feed these people? Why would Jesus want to feed thousands of people? It's off script. Nobody's expecting it. It's really a random out there. Is it a good thought? Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. We like it when other people think about our, our food need, right? <laughs> it's a good thought. You know, I can, I can see no other reason for this other than the fact that he is God and that God is a provider. That that's how he reveals himself in scripture. That God has a heart for humanity. He wants to provide for us. Jesus said this, you know, oh, he wept over Jerusalem and he said, how often I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. In Matthew chapter 6, we read that scripture where he said, you know, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or store in barns and yet your heavenly father provides for them. He's wanting to reveal the heart of God here. He's wanting to show that our God is a provider. And I want you to know, church, today that you serve a God who looks at you and thinks about your provision. He thinks about your needs. He thinks about even when you're not thinking about it. None of these people were thinking about lunch. None of them were thinking about what they were going to eat. Yet he was thinking, how can I give you a meal today? That is the God that we serve. He's a provider. He's a carer. He looks after us. He cares for us. And obviously it was also a great opportunity to teach his disciples a lesson of faith. You know, they, they, in that moment he was, he was testing them to see their faith. He's wanting to show them how extravagant he was, how powerful he was, how much he could just feed thousands if he wanted to feed thousands. That that's the miracle working God that you serve. That's who he is to us. He's not just, you know, like the, the God of just enough, but he's the God of more than enough. His name in the Bible is El Shaddai, more than enough, an extravagant provider. Not just a provider, but extravagant provider. Question, there was food left over here after everyone had eaten everything that they, they wanted to. Alright? There was still food left over. How many, how much food was left over? Twelve baskets were left over. One for each disciple. <laughs> Why? Because he's an extravagant God? Because, because he wanted every disciple never to forget? <laughs> you know, because he's extravagant. Because there's always going to be more than enough left over. And also there was a beautiful principle in here that is this, is that as he blesses the congregation, he provides for the needs of his ministers. 
that out from the overflow of the blessing of God on the congregation, there is a, there is a, there's a provision that comes to the ministry. That as God blesses the homes, the homes bring it into the storehouse and the mission continues. That's his pattern of provision for ministry right there. So we learned so much from the story, okay? But let's just go back to it for a moment. He turns to Philip, and I can imagine Philip is quite a scientific guy. And, uh, and he poses a question to Philip. He says, where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? What does Philip do? Where, where does Philip's brain go to in this example? He goes to the sowing and reaping system. The one that we know very well. He goes to the sowing and reaping system and he does a maths calculation. He says the following. He says, even if we worked for months, we would not have enough money, money to feed all these people. So this is what the sowing and reaping system does. It, it measures output by input. In sowing and reaping, what we do is we go look at our human capital, our cash flow, our experience, our skill, uh, our team, our resources, our CPU capacity, our horsepower, our, I don't know, whatever else. Okay, we go look at what all the inputs are in and then we calculate. We add time into the equation and we calculate based on these inputs. This will be the the likely output that we'll get. So in the sowing and reaping system, we have limited inputs and they put together and they produce an output and Philip does the calculation. He's like, okay, but how many people, 15,000 people, how much money are going to earn this much wages per week and you're going to earn this much wages per week and if we all work for this many months and we do that, and his brain just went, even if we work for months, it's just not going to (laughs) work. It's not going to work. So if there were like 15,000 people there, I just did a calculation, all right? I went to like Fisherway's menu, because we're talking about fish and bread here. So I looked at their fish burger price. And at Fisherway's, you can buy a burger today for 36 rand 90. No chips, no coke. Okay, no chips, no coke, 36 rand 90. This is free advertising for you, Fisherway's. And I calculated if there were 15,000 people there, can you guess how much money that would be? 553,500 rand. 500,000 rand. Let's say they give us a 10% discount. 500,000 rand. What makes this even more hectic was the fact that everybody ate until they were full, 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 and there was still left over. So, so we're talking about two fish burgers per person here. So we're actually talking about a million rand from Fisherways on lunch. Our God wanted to spend a million rand on lunch, people. (laughs) What? A million bucks on lunch. Why? Why? Because he's so extravagant. Because he can. Because sometimes God wants to pick up the lunch bill. (laughs) And some of you just... I got a few amens on that one. Because sometimes God wants to pick up the school bill. The more amens on that. Because sometimes God wants to pick up the clothing bill. And the food bill. Amen? And the petrol bill. And the staff bill. Amen? And the rent. And the bond bill. Okay, sometimes He just wants to pick up the bill. And provide for His kids. A million rand on lunch. 
You know, there was a logistical side to this as well that was probably messing with Philip's brain. So he's like calculating, oh, it's like going to be a million rand to feed these people. Then there's like, okay, where are we going to find a fisherways? And, uh, and what are the chances that they're going to have that much stock in their freezers and in their fridges? And then we've got to get that stock all like cooked and pre-packed. And then how are we going to deliver it? You know, I calculated the size of a, of a Fisherways hamburger pre-pack, you know, and I worked out we could probably get about 50 into an Uber Eats motorbike. <laughs> so we, if we had 50 burgers going into an Uber Eats motorbike, we're going to need 600 Uber Eats motorbikes to bring the food out to the people. And, you know, this is the problem <laughs> with the sowing and reaping system is that we can do our heads on it. We can do our heads on it because why? It's just too hard. Sometimes there's just not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough hands. There's not enough resources. There's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough. This is what happens in the sowing. Output is restricted to the input. And maybe this is how you feel about your life right now. Maybe you're looking at your life and thinking there are not enough hours in the day to do everything that I know I need to do or to get where God has called me. Maybe some of you are thinking, man, even if I worked two jobs, I still will not get to the financial future that I know God has for me. Or maybe you're looking at your business today and you're going, I don't have enough staff, I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough connections, I don't have enough cash flow, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I don't have enough. That's very common in the sowing and reaping system. That is pretty much expected is what we're going to find. You know, we sat down as leaders last week and we looked at our goals as a church. And we're like, okay, let's pick this one. Let's see, can we do this in three years? And we calculated and we did our heads on the calculations. And we basically came to the point where we're like, there's not enough hands, there's not enough money, there's not enough, there's not enough, there's not enough. But let me tell you something, that's a good thing. Because there's another system of provision. It's called the grace and faith system. And in the grace and faith system, if you take it and you put it on top of the sowing and reaping system, you, the, the outputs don't match the inputs. What you put in and what you get out don't actually match up. What you get out is way more than what you put in. When you put grace and faith into the sowing and reaping system. I mean, you can plant in a time of famine and reap a hundredfold like Isaac when you're working the grace and faith system. You can go like Gideon did with 30 men against an army of thousands and wipe them out because you put grace and faith into on top of what you're doing. You can live in a house that you could never have afforded. <laughs> you can feed thousands of people with one lunch pack. When you take grace and faith and you put it into the sowing and reaping system, anything becomes possible. Jesus said this, all things are possible to him who has faith. To him who exercises this thing called faith. Amen. Amen. So how do we live in that system? Well, you know, last week I spoke about the, the, the two systems, sowing and reaping and grace and faith. And the sowing and reaping system was given by God as a blessing. Right? Work is not a curse, amen. It is it's good to have a job. It's good to go and apply ourselves. Um, it's just the problem is this, is that the sowing and reaping system through the curse and through sin has become a system of slavery. 
It's become a system where because of greed and corruption and, and hate and whatever other things that society has, it, it centralizes resources and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's, limited, it's limited resources the whole time. And so it eventually filters into those who have and those who do not have and it's like this burden system. It's a burden system. And what we read from Scripture last week was that God doesn't want that for our lives. But the way out is through grace and faith. In the Old Testament, he gave them the law, and if they practiced the law, the redemption of the, of the sowing and reaping system would take place. But, the, but we learned last week that the law was weak, <laughs> and we are weak, and we can't keep all of the law. And so Jesus came and he fulfilled the law, and from the time he resurrected, from the time of the cross, he, he put in place a new system called grace and faith. And he said this, and, and I just want us to know that the New Testament is serious about this. Alright, like so often we reduce this message to those faith preachers who like, they, they're always talking about money and how you can get more money, okay? This is, this is not like, this is not that, okay? This, <laughs> this is the New Testament. This is what we are supposed to practice in our lives. This is not for like a select few bunch of Christians who, who are like hyper-faithers, okay? No, this is the Bible. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What, what God is saying in that passage is this, is that this is not part of the sowing and reaping system. Salvation is not available in the sowing and reaping system. You can't go to that system and earn your salvation. You can't go and no matter what you do and plow and the hard, how hard you are, how good you work and the how, how many you know, goggles you help across the street or how much money you give to the church or whatever, it's not going to result in salvation. You have to activate your faith. You have to believe and you have to accept that it's grace, that it's the undeserved favor of God. It's amazing how little room we have for grace. It's like we, we, we happy with our salvation being by grace, but thereafter we feel like everything else then in our lives, we have to work for it. We just don't have this, this faithful, okay, we've got grace for salvation, but what about your marriage? And what about parenting? And what about your friendships? And what about your finances as well? You know, What about your career? What about your destiny? There's another, another passage I want to read to you. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 29 and it basically says this it's Paul's looking at the Corinthian congregation and he says guys look at yourselves not many of you are mighty high of noble birth strategic directors or CEOs or governors you, you know, God has deliberately chosen what in the world is lowborn insignificant the things that even are counted as nothing in this world and he's done it for a reason so that he can confound the wise and bring to nothing the things that are. And then he says this in verse 29 of chapter 1. He says, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. I want us to understand that this New Testament is like this. Is that is one where no flesh can glory in his presence. And that includes salvation. That includes everything else in our lives. Paul said this to the Galatians church. Guys, guys, does God do miracles amongst you because you work so hard to get them? Or does he do it because you have faith? Don't be foolish. He does it because you believe. 
In other words, the miracles, the, the grace, the faith, the, every, the grace of God, the undeserved favor of God is only available through believing, not through works. You're not going to earn it in any way. So if you just look at your future right now and where God has called you to be, I want you to know that no flesh will glory at the end of that. When you're going to get to the end of that and there will be no way that you can say it was me, it was my smarts, it was because I was so disciplined, it was because I had a savings account, it was because I was so strategic, because I did that, 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 that. No, he's on a mission. In the New Testament, the mission is this. No flesh will glory in his presence. That when we get to the end of it, we will say, what was that song we're singing now? You made a way. When we're standing there, <laughs> it will be because you made a way. Because you did it. And we've got to get this into our, our psyche and into our lives. Is that the, God wants to show His undeserved mercy and grace to us. He wants our lives to be a grace story. And, so, and, and He wants to do incredible things with our lives. But it's only going to be His goodness and His mercy. Not because we're so good. What we bring to the table is our faith. We bring that to the table. So the New Testament is one where, in which we live in is, is one where the goodness of God, it's the goodness of God and the only thing we bring to the table is faith. And so Israel had a culture in the Old Testament of meditating on the law, of speaking the law, of teaching the law to their children, of rising up and reading the law every single day. They had this culture of the law, the law, the law, because the law was the redemption for the sowing and reaping system. In the New Testament, we need a culture of grace where we teach grace, we speak grace, we wake up in the morning and we go, Father, I really believe you can do miracles today. I don't feel like i got enough energy, but I know in the Word there's enough energy. And through, through you, I, you strengthen me. You give me grace. You give me power. I can face that meeting. I can face that, that job interview. I can face that, that screening process. I can face because you are with me. I can do all things because you strengthen me. We just continually create room in our lives for grace for the power of God Your, the, the, the situation looks impossible for our business right now but dad as I go into the meeting today and we discuss this as a board I believe that your wisdom is going to flow through us and the phones go, can ring and contracts can come in and tenders can come in I believe that today could be a day of unmerited favor where at the end of the day I could be just celebrating you and, and your power and your goodness in my life and that, that's how we approach our life that's how we think about our lives. When, you know, and, it's, and it's because the sowing and reaping system has tainted us and damaged us so often that we go to life with a survival mentality. We go into everything that we're facing with this, oh, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through next year. I just got to get through next week. Where's grace? God, what can you do? I'm weak, but praise God, when I am weak, that's when you're really strong. What is that? What was that scripture? That's Paul speaking. Hey, when I am weak, you are. You know, sometimes it's good when we get to the end of ourselves, because that's when we can actually start to activate our believers. It's actually when we're really weak that we really realize this really doesn't depend on us. You know, there's something about our flesh that hates faith. 
It really wants to be in control. There's something about us that really loves the sowing and reaping system because it's dependable. It's, we can measure outputs from inputs. It's safe. You know what I mean? There's, there's no uncertainty involved in it. There's, there's something about our flesh that, that will just hold on to it and try and labor it and go at it with all our whatever we can. But God is calling us to faith. He's calling us just to let, let that go and put grace into your life. So we make room for grace, but then we need to apply our faith. Do you notice in the story that we read how Jesus had room for grace? I mean, in this example, nobody else was thinking about feeding people. Why was Jesus thinking about feeding people? Because he had the goggles of grace on. And he was looking at life and he was seeing an opportunity for the goodness of God. Grace was coloring all of his actions. That he was, he was walking into towns. You know, God said this to me a while ago. He said, Wayne, ministry is not making apples, it's picking apples. What I understood by that was, that, was, the, was this, is that you don't go and try and make a miracle. What you do is you look for where God is working miracles. You know, Jesus was walking into town, he would see Zacchaeus, he would just pick that apple, you know. He would see a lame guy, he would just pick that apple. There was, you know, he was looking at and interpreting the world through the lens of a miracle working God. What, what could God do in this situation? What would God want to do in this situation? I think he wants to feed everyone. <laughs> what a crazy idea. What an extravagant idea. But how did he think like that? It was because... There was room for Jesus, for a God who provides, a God who can do miracles. This is what happens when we color our worlds with grace. We see opportunities for the blessing of God. Like just go into your workplace with the grace goggles on. We start to imagine the world better than what it is. Look at this example in 1 Samuel 14 verse 6. You still with me? It says the following. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, Let us go over to the outposts of the uncircumcised fellows. He's talking about the Philistines who were camped against Israel. And the context of the story was this, was that Israel didn't have any swords, but the Philistines did. The the, the Israelites only had like farm tools as weapons, okay? But the Philistines had shields and swords, so they were just like outnumbered, outmaneuvered, out-whatevered, and... And, and so they're, they're like, they're really afraid of the Philistines. But Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, come, let's go over to those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's going against an army with just his armor bearer and saying, come, let's go. Let's go. Why? Well, because perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Because God can save with a few or many. Because God can do the impossible. Because God is gracious. Because God is kind. Because God empowers us. Because God, because God, because God. Jonathan had room for grace. And he stepped out and, 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 and a great victory was won that day. They, they, he literally wreaked havoc on the Philistines that day. Chased them far. I think that those lines of Jonathan there, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf, is the equivalent to you saying, I don't really have all the work experience and qualifications, but I'm going to apply for that position. Why? 
Well, because perhaps the Lord will act on my behalf. Because maybe grace follows me and surrounds me like a shield. Or maybe I'm going to put, her in a, put an offer in on that house that I can't really afford. <laughs> Why? Well, because perhaps the Lord can do something. Come on, guys, we've got to start thinking like this. Maybe I'm going to call that company that's so big and so powerful and they've got all these things and we're just so small and I don't know if they want to work with us, but perhaps the Lord will grant me favor and when I walk in there, I'm going to get to meet the right person and, and somehow we could get some business happening and a partnership happening. Perhaps the Lord could. Can we take perhaps the Lord could into our lives? Can we just make room for grace in our lives and just think a little bit beyond the sowing and reaping and what is and what, you know? I was just talking to somebody yesterday and they were telling me the testimony of how they got their house. And they said, you know what, all we had was this amount of money and then we saw the house and we were like, no ways, this is never going to be enough to get that. And they, they had this moment of like, Ugh. kind of like the disciples, Philip and Andrew and all of them had, oh, there's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough to do that. But we really want that. And they were like, well, let's just phone anyway. And they were debating for a while whether they were even going to phone. And then they were like, okay, let's just phone. And they got it for the exact price that they had. They got it for the exact price that they had. Their home. Isn't that amazing? Half the price of what homes are going for in the area. I just heard that yesterday. I'm like, yeah, thank you, Lord. That's another grace testimony. I'm going to put that in my pocket. I'm going to work with that one. <laughs> Perhaps the Lord. Question for you this morning. What, when you put on the glasses of grace, what becomes possible in your life? Just, just forget about the sowing and reaping for a moment. When you put on the glasses of grace, what becomes possible in your life? And then... Whatever you see, apply your faith to. Whatever God shows you there, put your faith on that. You know, faith, grace is what God can do. Sowing and reaping is what we can do. Faith lays hold of what God can do. And I want us to know this, is that grace has chosen faith as its partner, not sowing and reaping. So sowing and reaping are married they're friends, they're tight, they're together. Grace didn't choose sowing and reaping. Grace has chosen faith. If we want anything in grace, it's going to come via, via faith. Apply your faith to it. If you can do it by sowing and reaping, then you don't need faith. What you probably need is just some wisdom, some diligence, maybe some vitamins, some skill, <laughs> some excellence, whatever. That You don't need faith. If you can do it in sowing and reaping, we're not talking about faith anymore. Faith is there for grace. It's got to be beyond our lives. It's got to be beyond. Faith is going to be active in our lives when there's something that we're aiming at that's beyond our lives. It's beyond sowing and reaping. And I wonder if this is why Jesus said in, in Luke 18, he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he still find faith? 
He's talking about when he comes, will he find faith. And you know what? Since Jesus to this day, what's actually increased in the earth? Science, technology, wisdom, sowing and reaping skills have seriously and radically increased. And it's very interesting that like, we're getting to a point in history where nothing seems impossible for us in the sowing and reaping system. Like really, like age length, solve, you know, healing sicknesses. A lot of what disciples needed faith for in their time can be solved through medicine today. And so when he said, I wonder if the Son of Man, when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? I think he's talking about the times we live in where, where it's so easy just not to live in faith because there is another answer. There's another, like the sowing and reaping is advanced. Technology is there, and, uh, and technology is all great, and medicine is great, and let's keep advancing, and let's keep going. Um, but what I'm trying to say to you is, this, is, that, is that faith works in the realm of grace. When, it, when we get to the end of that sowing and reaping system, and we can't see a way out, that's where faith kicks in. You know, the woman with the issue of blood in the, in the scriptures, we admire her faith. Why? Because she pushed through the crowd, and she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made well. And we admire her faith, but you know, we forget that there was a story behind that. The story was this, is that she had spent all her money on doctors. She had, she had gone to the end of the sowing and reaping system. She had come, she had spent all her money. No one could help her. There was a, and, and let me tell you something. I'm just mentioning this because maybe some of you feel like that today. Maybe you feel like you've got to the end of your ability to solve your life. I want you to know that that is a good place. That's where faith kicks in. And just with a little bit of faith and you push through, you're going to start to see results that only God can do in your life. Amen. Will you still find faith on the earth? Yes, he's going to find it in every nation Durban. Let me wrap this word. The call to follow Jesus is a call to live beyond what is feasible. He told us to what? Go make disciples of all nations. Let me ask you a question. Is that feasible? <laughs> it's not. It's impossible. He said, take care of the naked, the sick, the thirsty, the lame, the hungry. Is that feasible? How many did you, how many did you do in the last year? How many disciples you make in the last year? How many, how many people have we been feeding and taking care of in the last year? He told us to be a city set on a hill. Is that feasible? No. Why? Why? Because when we always go look to the sowing and reaping system to solve those things. And he's calling us up out of that and he's saying there's another system of provision. It's called grace and it's called faith. And so we've got, and what we've got to learn to do, church, is we've got to learn to take our faith off the sowing and reaping system and put it into grace. Put it into the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. Make sure that we're aiming for things that are beyond our lives. Are you aiming at anything that is beyond your life this morning? Is there something that is beyond your strength, your ability, your savings account? Is there a picture in front of you? Because let me tell you something. You know, if, if, if there isn't, then, then you don't need faith. <laughs> faith kicks in where... We're sowing and reaping finishes. Amen. Can we stand to our feet and I'll just, I just want to bless you this morning. We'll finish with this.
I just want to bless you, church, um, with that that priestly bl- blessing from from the Old Testament, which says, "May the Lord bless you, and may He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you." And be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Have an amazing week, church. Have See you next time. week. See you next week in the building. Bye. Amen. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.